Greetings from Hannibal, Missouri. And welcome to Rivertown Review, the podcast. An informative and hopefully entertaining look at all things Hannibal. With Megan Rapp. People tend to come, visit, they like it here, they move here. And Harold Smith. In our biased viewpoint, this part of the country, this community, is an excellent place to be from. And now, Rivertown Review, the podcast. All right, we told our guest we just basically turn on the mic and go. So this is us turning on the mic and going. Welcome to episode 35 of Hannibal's Original Podcast. It is the Rivertown Review Podcast. I'm Harold Smith. And I'm Megan Rapp. And uh, we almost had to reintroduce each other because it's it's been a little it's while. It's been a few weeks. <laughs> it's been at least a couple of weeks. With uh, with we- travel, weather and real job day and job, yeah, we and... we have we have Megan and I have day jobs to to, to support our podcasting habit. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. that's how we do. It's kind of how it goes. But uh, we we know you have thousands thousands and thousands of other choices as far as other podcasts, but you won't find another podcast about Hannibal, Missouri. This is it. Exactly. As far as we know. As far as we know. Yeah. Nobody's told us any different yet, so we will go with that. And one of the reasons why we just we keep going on is we haven't run out of interesting people to talk to yet. And uh, this gentleman here is no exception. So, And, and uh, the last time I tried to introduce somebody named Steve... It, it went it horribly. It was fantastic. It's on the cutting room floor. Yeah, it, but it, it's yeah, don't, fantastic. Yeah, you will never hear it on the on this podcast ever, ever, ever. And I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it amuses me greatly. I knew of this man sitting before us before I ever knew this gentleman, and it was way back a million years ago when I was in graduate school for wow. museum studies. Yes. And so um, the head of the museum studies department had been hired by the Mark Twain Museum to do an exhibit in what they were going to call the Interpretive Center. And so two little lowly grad students were doing research on early Hannibal and Hannibal during Sam Clement's time, yada, yada. So we're, you know, we're getting all of these books through interlibrary loan, microfilm and microfiche. You are a history nerd if you know the difference. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so we're looking through all of these. And then the name Steve Chow kept coming up behind all of these pictures. And finally, one day, I remember my friend and fellow researcher looked at me and she goes, who is Steve Chow and why does he own all of Hannibal's photos? (laughs) (laughs) And now here, many, many years later, to answer that question, we have Steve Chow (laughs) on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So so the first question we asked, first of all, Steve, welcome. We we appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Yeah. Steve has never heard that story so he didn't know where that was going <laughs> yeah yeah so so how so how in the world does steve yeah why does steve Chow own every photo about the city of Hannibal? you know my wife would like to know that too <laughs> she just wants the spare room back no just now, now your your wife is linda right yes yes yeah i i was at uh, people people are listening to this five years from now this will mean nothing to them um she works with the folks at the Hannibal Free, Free Clinic, Clinic. Yes. and uh, just uh, as this is re- being recorded last week, uh, one of the honorees for the work that they do for the Free Clinic was Linda uh, for her work in the office. She's the she's the gatekeeper yeah, at the at the Free Clinic, and uh, they appreciate uh, one of one of the few people there that actually you know gets paid uh, to to do what she does because uh, they have to have somebody that can 
and can delegate people, point them in the right directions. And uh, she was, uh, it was, it was quite a moving moment for her. She was uh, very honored yes. to, to be, to be honored by the Hannibal free clinic. Yeah. Uh, so I just, just wanted to, to, to mention that to you. Um, yeah. So, so that, so the question on the table is the, uh, why, how, how did you come to, to, to own? Cause yeah, every, every photo I see, whether it's on Facebook or, or on the bicentennial pa- Facebook page or whatever it is, uh, from the Steve Chow collection. So, so how did, yeah, give us, give us the story here and, and we've got a lot of time. So, you know, to, to take all the time you need to, to, to tell us how that all came about. Well, Hannibal, uh, is my adopted hometown. I am actually from uh, South St. Louis County, but uh, my grandparents had a place just outside of town, and I lived for the summers that I would spend here, and uh, they were summers that were uh, spent exploring the woods and playing in the creek and around the pond, and uh, so the best summers of my childhood and youth were spent here in Hannibal. And in 1969, uh, Hannibal had its sesquicentennial and celebrated 150 years. And I'm, that- I am the only other person in the room that remembers that, by the way. <laughs> I, was, I was in high school at the time. Megan wasn't even a twinkle in her mama's eye yet at that point. <laughs> well, I'll, get, I'll get my walker here and I'll try not to trip over my beard. Yeah. If you remember then... Um, uh, a lot of the downtown merchants had displays in their windows of uh, Hannibal's history, uh, different historic items. And I really became intrigued with the history of the town at that time. Uh, the Courier Post had uh, put out a special uh, commemorative edition at that time with all kinds of uh, uh, photographs of Hannibal's past. And I remember uh, uh, laying down on the uh, uh, porch floor and and just paging through that paper over and over. And uh, so it was 50 years ago that I first uh, fell in love with the history of the town. And then um, fast forward to 1976, uh, Hurley and Roberta Haygood released Story of Hannibal. And uh, it was a marvelous book and, and uh, really fanned uh, the, the passion for the town's story. And I began looking for bits and pieces of Hannibal's past because I was intrigued by it. And over the years, it has become like uh, one gigantic jigsaw puzzle. Each... Uh, bit and piece that you find uh, answers perhaps several questions, but it opens more questions. And you're always looking for more answers, the next answer. That is the rabbit hole of history that you just described. <laughs> you, you go in and you're like, I wonder, oh, okay, that's, well, but but what's that? And and for those, and I think we've mentioned before um, that the Haygoods, they, yeah. they did historical research and wrote books before, I mean, with literal file cabinets and typewriters way before Google's 
creator was ever born. And mm. so, I, you know, they, they are really. Sad, sad, and, and sadly, years before podcasts came along, because wouldn't those be folks to, to, to be able to sit that down with. That would be some fantastic yeah, but, interviews. But sadly, we, we, we got in, got into it a little too late for that. That is true. Yeah. But, um, well, we know that you have an immense collection of, of photos. So how, how did you find them? Did you just, how did, how was, did yeah, that was, happen? Yeah, was this just something that just you started out with little this, little that, and just got completely out of control? Or? <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could say that. Uh, my uh, uh, first uh, venture into... Uh, uh, Hannibal's history through bits and pieces of uh, its past it were uh, postcards, oh. old picture postcards. Mm -hmm. And I remember I found my first postcard, which was one of the library uh, that was uh, from uh, 1907. And I found it in a shop here in Hannibal in the summer of 1975. And uh, um, uh, it was just intriguing to me because it was a postcard that showed something I recognized. And you might say things just kind of snowballed. From so, <laughs> so, so, the, so the collection started with that postcard? That one postcard, ah. yes. Mm -hmm. There we go. I think it's now considerably larger. Do you have any idea of how many photos, postcards... No, I don't. <laughs> and you want to keep it that way because otherwise well, Linda will have problems. <laughs> if it fits in the study, uh, you get to our, keep it. Yeah. When, when, yeah, when it outgrows the study, that's a problem. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I've had what well, was visiting with uh, the executive director of the um, uh, Mark Twain Boyhood Home and Museum, Henry Sweets. We were yes. talking about your collection uh, uh, in connection with your book, and uh, he said the. the the, the good thing with someone who has such a vast collection is that it's not a collection that you have chosen to to hide in in a, a closet or a study in this case full of shoe boxes or anything this is something that you have been more than more than willing and and able to share with the world absolutely I, I believe that uh, uh, you never really uh, possess uh, this type of history. It's something that needs to be shared. It helps with the uh, uh, understanding of the overall picture. Uh, there are many people that research different areas uh, of uh, uh, history, local history, and uh, uh, each one builds onto the total picture and helps with the overall total understanding um, and it's a, a marvelous thing because uh, uh, you see an image and, and it's like, well, that's, that's really neat. And then you learn something maybe 20 years later and you go back and look at that photograph. And all of a sudden, there are details that you never noticed in there. When um, uh, I began digitizing a lot of uh, the material um, and uh, uh, scanned some of these photographs at a very high resolution. Uh, there were details that emerged out of these scans that weren't readily uh, uh, 
observable in the photograph. Yeah, I don't think people quite um, understand how how very detailed and high resolution old photographs are. They'll see an old photograph and they'll they'll think, oh, you know, or maybe they'll see a a, a negative or a or a tintype and, and not realize that if you scan that in and digitize it, you can blow it up to be many, many, many times larger. And like you said, you can see details that you never would have seen with the naked eye before. Well, one of the things, and this was an amusing photograph, and this was not from Hannibal, but uh, it just really brings out, uh, uh, you know, the little details that you don't notice at first. It was a family photograph that was taken on somebody's porch uh, about 1910, and you look, and you notice that a number of the people are either smiling or holding back a laugh, and it's like, there's some kind of a joke. And then as you scan the photograph, look over it, you see something on the uh, one uh, um, railing, the post on the front porch. And I took a magnifying glass and blew that up, and it was somebody's dentures. They put the front <laughs> teeth there. <laughs> So you know exactly what they were all laughing about. <laughs> yeah, because in in the old well in the old photos, because of the methods of photography and that kind of thing, people very seldom smiled in these. Uh, with with the one where you had to stay perfectly still for some period of time and that kind of thing. But yeah, it, it's uh, nice to know they they even laughed over silly stuff. You know, back back however long ago that that was. Oh, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> over a hundred years ago. Sure. Well, and of course, you know, Hannibal. We're we're known for our historic downtown, of course, and for so many of these beautiful houses that have been um, restored or at least are still standing. Um, you know, as a result of these lumber barons and then this great wealth that came into the city, um, your your newly re-released book, you did a bicentennial edition of um, your Images of America, um, Bluff City Memories, and it's just full of photos of, of Hannibal. And it's just, it's a great thing. Like you said, you know, you get to see a picture of a building that you... You might know that it was built in 18-something or other, but then you actually you see the image of that picture and the people and the horse and buggy, and it's just a picture is really worth a thousand words. Uh, it is here, uh, not uh, just the other day. Uh, I'm not sure where the, the what the origin of the photo was, but it was a photo from maybe the 19, late 1940s of this building where we are, uh, which is now the, of course, the radio station. It was a grocery store. Yes, Highburgers yeah. Grocery. Yes, right, right here. And I'm and looking at it going, and I soon as see see the picture and kind of get the get the context and kind of get the the lay of where it is. I'm going, yep, that's our building. All right, <laughs> yeah, whole different front, of course, whole different look. But yeah, we were at at least at that point in the late '40s, we were. It was this was a grocery store. Well, up through uh, up into the 1950s. And it uh, became an IGA affiliate. Ah, okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, the parking lot right across the street, uh, Mr. Heiberger bought that lot and, and cleared the buildings so there would be plenty of parking for his customers. Ah. See, so not only when you get old photos and collect old photos, not only do you know about the, the buildings, you know about the blank spaces because you know who cleared them. <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us for the Hannibal Rivertown Review Podcast. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. We want to remind you that if you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Also, for comments and suggestions, you can email us at rivertownreview at gmail.com and visit us at rivertownreview.com and Rivertown Review on Facebook. In your book, do you have any, or maybe they didn't make it in the book this this time? Do Do you have any particular favorite images of Hannibal? Uh, one uh, a special favorite is uh, one of the new photos that was added in uh, this bicentennial release. Find find out the page number. And he's he's, he's turning. He's turning in the book. Page number one forty five. Page one forty five. Uh, this was a photograph that was just amazing. It uh, it's a picture of North Main Street, the three hundred block, looking towards uh, uh, Cardiff Hill, and the photograph was sharp enough that with a, a high power magnifying glass, you could literally walk down the street and see the various businesses. Hmm. This photograph. Um, had been glued to an envelope that had been mailed in 1857. Oh my um, wow. The photograph is not quite that old because it, it has uh, gas lamps uh, um, along the street, which were placed in 1859. But this photograph dates from shortly after that period, uh, very probably pre-Civil War. But it shows the area that was uh, Sam Clemens' neighborhood much as it would have looked uh, just a few years after he left town. Goodness. Is there is there any kind of a story that goes with you discovering, uh, coming to be in possession of that picture? Well, I, I, it was very fortunate to uh, find the photo, but... It was uh, one of those discoveries that the more that you looked at it with with a good magnifying lens, all kinds of details emerged, the different businesses. Uh, the first building that you see uh, was a, a grocery uh, uh, warehouse, a wholesaler, and um, the name on the building uh, that name only shows up in the 1859 Hannibal Directory, City Directory. Uh, the next directory that was published was 1866, and the business was gone by that time. Hmm. Um, that building was uh, much later purchased by the Salvation Army, and that was their meeting hall. And um, in the mid-1930s, the building was very uh, aged, it was uh, falling in, and it was condemned, and uh, they finally tore it down um, and then built the new Salvation Army building, the the one-story building that still stands on the corner today. I say just just so that I know that I'm looking at this correctly, as you say, the, the, the 300 block of the three and 400 blocks of North Main, uh, the the corner that is kind of in the forefront, that's the trouble with, with us not being having video involved here. I can't hold this up to the microphone. But this, this corner would be just, just a, a door down from this corner is would be where the wine stop is now. Yes. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah, that's yeah, that I make sure I'm 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 picturing this correctly. And uh, as you say, uh, you can see all the way down to 
where now the the Tom and Huck statue is and where the hill that um, Mark Twain christened Cardiff Hill, even though it was something different. And we've covered that in a podcast before. Yeah. Now they, co- they we called it something different for years and years, but people would come to Hannibal after reading the books and say, where's Cardiff Hill? And we got sick of explaining to people, it's not Cardiff Hill. They just renamed it Cardiff Hill. And it's just that way. Said, said the heck with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's it. just right over there. Well, yeah. and an interesting thing too, uh, with this photograph, um, you see the Pilaster House at the very end of the block, mm-hmm. and there is no porch on it. Uh, indeed, only the Planters Hotel has a, a porch or an overhang on buildings. Uh, but on the next page is a photograph that shows that same part of North Main Street looking off of Cardiff Hill. And as you look, just about every building has an overhang. Mm -hmm. And this is just space of 10 years later, about 1870, which indicates, uh, it it documents that uh, these porches uh, were sort of an architectural fad that caught on sometime after uh, the first photo was taken. So there are so many little details that you can pick out, and they really tell a story. I just wonder if maybe some of the lumber barons didn't do a really good job of selling wooden porches to people. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna build a house like a like a Rockcliffe mansion or something, you know, mm-hmm. you better sell a lot of lumber. So, you know, of course, all of all of downtown now has these giant you, overhangs. You gotta have a gotta have an overhang. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Let me tell you why yeah. you need to have an overhang. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's marketing for you. Absolutely. Well, and, and it was a, a very practical. Uh, uh, addition when you think about it because uh, uh, in the days before uh, uh, paved sidewalks it probably was very nice in the rain to have a place to walk where you weren't sinking down in the mud Mm -hmm. Uh, looking back at that same picture you'll notice now the streets were all dirt and right at the intersection there the crossing they have embedded stepping stones. Uh, and, and these crossing stones, of course, were to keep uh, uh, pedestrians from sinking to their ankles or perhaps <laughs> their knees in mud. Sure. And, uh, of course, horses use the streets, too. So there was uh, it wasn't plenty just on the mud. streets. No, yeah. we weren't just talking mud. No, I always enjoy when people, uh, you know, anytime, for example, the currently our riverfront is being redone and people, you know, are bemoaning the fact that these historic cobblestones are no longer going to be there. Or there's, of course, a brick pedestrian walkway that takes you between the Boyhood Home, the Becky Thatcher House, the museum properties, and everyone's like, oh, wow, you know, just like back when Sam Clemens was here. And I'm, I always just think, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, a lot more mud, a lot uh, more horse droppings. Time they anything like that came around, Sam was, Sam, Sam had, The, the, the good gone. old days were a lot dirtier. <laughs> oh, yeah, dirty, nasty, yes, among um, other things. Well, well, Steve, I know, um, you know, we were talking about these pictures. We'll definitely post um, the information on the, with this podcast. Um, but this is a... Um, an expanded edition of a book you originally did, and when did the original come Yes. Uh, the first uh, uh, publishing of Bluff City Memories was in 2002, 16 years ago. Oh and then two years later, I did uh, a book of the Otis Howell 
photographs. And Otis Howell was a photographer for the Courier Post back uh, in the post-World War II days. Um, I had later contacted um, Arcadia, the publisher, about doing a third book. And at that time, uh, they were more interested in doing a lot of different locations and having one more pictorial history of a place that they had done, uh, they weren't interested at the time, and so we just let that ride. And late last year, I was uh, uh, contacted by the book publisher asking, with the Bicentennial coming up, if I would be interested in doing an expanded re-release of Bluff City Memories, which would be a bicentennial commemorative, and I jumped at the opportunity. Definitely. Yeah. Um, the book uh, has 32 more pages wow. than the uh, 2002 uh, printing and about 60 more photographs. And I thought, this is great. I've got uh, a lot more room. And, you know, those 32 pages filled up fast. They fill up fast. Well, they you, sure when do. You, when you got a collection like you've got, I would imagine so, yes. I was trying to think of how many published authors we have had uh, on the on the podcast. I can I, I know we've had at least one other one. I'm not sure your your friend from St. Louis, Bill Cleveland, is he a, is he yes. he yep. published author? Yes. Of course, we had uh, um, John Wingate was yes. here. Yeah, with uh, talking about his book. I I think that's it. Yeah, we we haven't gotten Rivertown review the 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 novel or anything yet, <laughs> not or, yet. or anything like that it's coming out next yet. week no, yeah, just <laughs> yeah some of those novels they crank out pretty quick but uh, that's that's a whole other story uh now are are you yourself a photographer at all well not uh, professional by any means uh, uh i uh carry a camera with me a lot of times to document uh the changes I see uh, uh, a building being torn down or I see changes being made and I try to get photographs of that happening uh, for my own archive. Uh, uh, but as far as a professional photo photographer with training, no, I, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, with the as far as all of these photographs, as you say, you've got some from from the Courier Post, that kind of thing. I would imagine, uh, you know, the people who took these pictures along the way were all all form and fashion as far as who they were and what what their expertise was at any given. Time. Oh, absolutely. And and in this day and age, when we all have the, I mean, the jobs that some of these cell phone cameras do is just amazing. Uh, matter of fact, a couple of times we've been we've been artists at the Hannibal Arts Council. Uh, photography they'll accept any photo uh, yes they will and, <laughs> and, and they and matter of fact the next day as this is recorded the next exhibit that starts on saturday i'm gonna i'm gonna picture in that one too are you an artiste again, again twice i'd be an artiste oh, sure look enough at that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh so where can people go to to find this book where can where can they pick up a copy of that or two or three or a half a dozen to give as gifts or whatever well uh the mark twain museum the gift shop will uh, carry the book and uh, uh, the uh, businesses downtown that have carried my book in the past I'm sure will continue to carry the book um, 
Mark Twain Book and Gifts on North Main Street, Becky's Old Fashioned Ice Cream Emporium uh, are two businesses. Mm-hmm. Now, what about uh, if people, hopefully we have people from all over the country, uh, or and we've even had some international uh, downloads of this podcast. Uh, so we still haven't quite figured that one out. Yeah, yet. we uh, from the uh, the Russian Federation. I'm still in Bangladesh. I'm still still scratching my head and on France. that. France, I and, don't. Yeah, France, super interesting. And and Canada, you know. So yeah, whatever. But I say all of that to say for those who may not find their way or be a long way from Hannibal, and they're going, hmm, I would like, to, I'd like to get a look at that book. Uh, how is there a way for those folks to get this absolutely the book can be uh ordered uh from amazon of course online mm-hmm. i think you can order just about anything pretty from much amazon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> arcadia publishing uh has website where all of their titles are available now the book is not officially released to until march the 4th which is coming up here in a few as, days as we record this uh, we're doing this on a thursday it's the next it's next monday so just pull the curtain back here let everybody know <laughs> no no this is far before it is going to be released yeah, that's because we're that's just, right we did the, we did this about two weeks ago yes, that's right yes groundbreakers yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. that's what we are yeah that's it that's <laughs> it we we do stuff even before we do stuff so. but you will have a presentation and a book signing yes yes mm-hmm yeah, at the at the uh, Mark the, Twain Museum. At the museum, yes. uh, the date on that is March the ninth. March the ninth. Okay. So see, you'll be official. People can rush out and get their book, and then they can come and have it signed. We'll be and... during the uh, chocolate extravaganza. Yes. And uh, that that would be a great opportunity to get out. Uh, everybody likes chocolate. Everybody likes everybody, chocolate. Everybody, yes, we yeah, that that is. Kind of the beginning of the festival season around here, and, uh, and with it all doesn't the, end until December. That's right. The whole year, all of our regular schedule. We've covered this before. All of the regular schedule stuff, and then you throw the bicentennial stuff in on top of all of that too. And it's just, it's gonna. This 2019 is going to be nuts in this town. Well, and I and I definitely say, if if anything wonderful is going to come out of the bicentennial, the fact that the publisher reached out and wanted to do another bicentennial edition because yeah. these these photos, I mean, whether you're a Hannibal transplant like myself, or if you've grown up around these buildings, just the fact that we have so many great historical places and and we have um, a wonderful um, person who collected all of them and decided to share them with the world. You know, you were talking about how you thought that they should be shared, and I thought, you know. If everyone thought like that, then art dealers would have no business whatsoever. <laughs> you think of all of these paintings that were, you know, meant for the world and they go for a bajillion dollars. And it's like, well, I'm glad you decided to share your work with the world, your collection with the world, yeah. not keep it behind us. We, as are, as are we and a lot of other people, are Most very happy that you, you chose to do that. Well, one of the, uh, I think that, one of the very positive aspects of getting interested in the local history and making this available to others is you help to instill, hopefully, a little bit of pride in the place that we live in. One of the things as I have studied Hannibal's history, I've been especially impressed with, is the community spirit of a number of individuals in this town. Uh, we have had giants in this town. 
you look at uh, 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 George Mahan and his family who donated so much of what we uh, enjoy as as the Mark Twain uh, um, uh, properties, the the boyhood home, and all. And, they you know, we, we, we've had that, that we've had that story told here before. How the it was ready, it was going to be torn down, but they they stepped up, bought the property, donated it, and the rest is history. Uh, Mr. Pettibone uh, did many things. He uh, uh, gave the uh, uh, Riverview Park property uh to the city uh mr pettibone also during the depression we had three banks here in hannibal that folded up one of those three banks uh was held the school funds for all the school children savings funds and uh there were uh many school children who had thousands of dollars and they were tied up and they may get their money some years down the line. They may not get their money. But Mr. Pettibone wanted to see to it that Hannibal's children uh, would not lose faith in their own town and guaranteed all those funds and made sure that they were all reimbursed right up front. Uh, and they've just Don't an example, and, and there were, <laughs> Indeed. Uh, you know, many who worked tirelessly to promote the welfare of this town, and to think that perhaps in some way that might contribute to somebody else working towards the betterment of the town through maybe restoring uh, an old building uh working at, at different charitable programs and I have provided images of buildings for people who have been working on trying to restore them and that's always fun I, we we're at a point now time wise where we either need to go for another half hour or we need to stop right now yeah. <laughs> although we don't particularly want to I know I know <laughs> We're, gonna, we're just going to have to add Steve to the list of people that we need to get back in here. Most definitely, because I want to talk some at some point again about some of these images, because it's not just houses. When you think of old images, you think of these grand historic homes. There are these fantastic pictures of bridges and of more modest homes that in in Hannibal so it's such it's just such a rich history so yes you are definitely on the list you are coming back to visiting with us whether you want to or not we're gonna <laughs> make you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to come <laughs> it's Steve Chow thank you so much for joining us you're quite welcome very good that's Steve Chow and I'm Harold Smith and I'm Megan Rapp. and that is episode 35 of the original uh, Rivertown Review Podcast and we will see you next time Thank you for joining us for Rivertown Review, the podcast. For more information on all things Hannibal, visit our website, rivertownreview.com. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, please email us at rivertownreview at gmail.com. And be sure and join Megan and Harold next time for Rivertown Review, the podcast.